0: Welcome to Agriculture In-Depth, presented by Sioux Nation in Fort Peer and by Kimball Livestock Exchange. I'm DRG Media Group News and Farm Director Jody Heemstra. Today's podcast features South Dakota State House Majority Leader Representative Will Mortensen from Fort Pier, and South Dakota State Senate Majority Leader Senator Casey Crabtree of Madison. We'll hear from them after this.
1: Cattlemen, when you're looking to buy and sell cattle, look no further than Kimball Livestock Exchange in Kimball, South Dakota. At Kimball Livestock Exchange, you'll find cattlemen working for cattlemen. With the sale every Tuesday. If you can't make it to the barn, you can watch the sale live on Cattle USA. Visit KimballLivestockExchange.com to view upcoming sale information. For more sale information or to consign, call the barn at 605-778-6211, chat at 605-870-0697, or Wade at 605-730-1801.
0: Mortensen and Crabtree are the prime sponsors of House Bill 1185, House Bill 1186, and Senate Bill 201. Those are bills that they hope will help find compromise between landowners and development of value-added agriculture projects in the state.
2: Uh, This is Will Mortensen. I'm the House Majority Leader. I represent uh, Central South Dakota. I'm from Fort Pierre. And I'd like to talk to you about um, the pipe carbon pipeline bills that are coming through the legislature this year. It is no secret to any observer of uh, our process that Senator Crabtree and I kind of fought cats and dogs on this issue last year. And we wound up not making our state any better for landowners and it didn't get any better uh, for the projects that are getting cited here. Didn't get any better for our farmers and we're resolved this year that there's a South Dakota way forward when these projects come to our state. We think that we can be fair, and respectful to farmers and ranchers, while also being fair to the projects that are getting here, We're interested in proposing a South Dakota way forward for linear projects in South Dakota. In particular, I've got two bills that I'm the House Prime Sponsor on that Senator Crabtree is the Senate Prime Sponsor on that would be the strongest landowner protections we've passed in this building in the last 20 years. They <laughs> make sure that Our farmers and ranchers are fairly compensated when these projects come across their land and that there are minimum easement terms so that our farmers and ranchers have good footing, especially with the specter of eminent domain behind them, that uh, there is a more level playing field for our farmers and ranchers to negotiate fair easements on their lands. we also heard a lot from ag clients of mine about the survey statute and access for conducting survey and examinations before these linear projects come onto the land we think we can do that in a lot more neighborly way by providing more certain notice of where they're going what kind of tests are going to be run uh, and the contact information for who's coming really common courtesy type measures i also happen to think that if um, someone's coming on your land that you don't like or you don't want to be there um, that they should have to pay a little bit for that, and so that bill also includes a $500 one-time fee for the access that projects have um, onto the farms and ranches across South Dakota. And these are substantial pro-landowner measures. They make our process fair without cutting off our nose to spite our face. That is, these pr- these measures are, are intended to make our process better and fairer without blocking projects. I have a personal objection to government getting in the way of free enterprise. Something is otherwise legal. I don't think we should let government make it illegal. We saw that the Biden administration on the Trans Canada pipelines, and I think that was an example of government done bad. And I don't care if we're talking about federal government, state government, county government, township government. Um, it's not in our conservative ethic to let government block otherwise legal projects from coming across and so My two bills are very pro-landowner, but they certainly don't block projects and they keep our state open for business. Senator Crabtree's taking the lead on one over in the Senate where I'm uh, the House sponsor, and I'll give him a minute to to brief up on that one.
3: Well, thanks, Will, and thank you guys for joining us uh, briefly here. Uh, You'll start to see these move through the legislative process next week uh, with the House bills, and then the Senate bill will move uh, towards the end of next week or maybe the week after, depending on. Uh, some timing and some committees. I want to just go back to a couple things. Uh, on my side, I'm a, I'm a Senate Majority Leader. I come from Madison, and um, in our neck of the woods, uh, this is where this pipe uh, runs a, a lot. Um, about 93 uh, percent of all uh, the folks, you know, the landowners in my district have voluntarily signed up for this project. Uh, that's landowners who view this uh, as a necessary need for the future of uh, agriculture, the future of their corn prices. And so I represent a whole lot of uh, corn growers that are that are big advocates uh, for the future of, of agriculture. Now, when Will and I take a look at this, there was a couple things we had in mind. Uh, it was about the guys that, that grow corn at their places, and so that's who we uh, that's who we represent. That's who sends us out here to peer, and that's who we're fighting for on this. Now, we didn't make these policies uh, just between our, ourselves. Uh, Will and I worked extensively over the interim period and this far into session with landowners, landowner groups, agriculture, the people that represent them here, and uh, a number of other folks. And so, it's got a wide range. Um, from landowners, ag groups, and utilities that have uh, that have helped, uh, helped work on this. Three things that I think you need to, to keep in mind and, and we'll touch on them is its respect and fairness for the landowners. We started with that and we wanted certain certainty when it comes to value-added ag and infrastructure. And so, uh, you'll see SB 201 uh, that provides the certainty for value-added agriculture into the future uh, and some standards Uh, when it comes to how uh, larger projects that cover multiple counties uh, are viewed and cited. Uh, So you see that in SB 201, HB 1185, and HB 1186 are the two measures that Will's talked about uh, before, uh, which I'm uh, the prime sponsor on the Senate side. And so we are working together uh, on this with a number of folks to make sure we deliver Uh, good neighbor's policies uh, that set us up for infrastructure projects and success in agriculture today, tomorrow, and far into the future.
2: What questions can we answer that that either of you have got? We've got about 10 minutes left before we've got to head into our Caucuses.
0: Well, spinning off of uh, some conversation from yesterday's news conferences, you talked about the work done in the interim with landowners and stakeholders and such. Um, have you brought your Democratic colleagues in on this as well?
2: You bet. You know, Orrin Dasmeister uh, and I, our home ranches are only about 35 miles from each other. And to Representative Lesmeister about this process from the get go, I think we see the world pretty similarly and I think we see this project in particular and and this area of the law pretty similarly so I I expect pretty broad support for a lot of this frankly Jody and the reason for that is that we've been meeting with ag groups we've been meeting with people who represent uh, landowners from across the state thousands of landowners and so um, we know that this is something that's tugged at the heartstrings of South Dakota because it's pitted farmers against farmers and ranchers against ranchers. And we're trying to provide a South Dakota way forward that says, you know, we hear some of the concerns that were had with the way that this carbon pipeline was proposed. We want to make this a fairer process for the landowners, but also fair to these projects as they come along. And I think we've got a package that'll do just that.
4: So, I'll jump in here with a question, if you don't mind. Um, and when the um, you mentioned that 93% of your constituents, um, or 93% of, the pipeline is um, in easements in your um, district. I think you said. Do you have you had any constituents who have said that they regret signing an easement?
3: You know, uh, I sh- yeah. Let's just be clear. That was ninety-three percent in District Eight, uh, just for the record on that. And uh, oh. it looks like it's about seventy-five percent overall in the state of South Dakota uh, that have done that. And so. Um, I think what we're focused on uh, right now is uh, making sure uh, that whether it's this project or or future infrastructure projects are done the done the South Dakota way the right way. Uh, we have found through this process that there are improvements that can be made uh, for landowners, and um, that's what we're what we're seeing here today. You know, I jump in
2: on that for a second, Carrie, which <laughs> is to say that's why the return. If you don't
4: mind, you don't mind I, I just wondered if you'd heard from any constituents that have said to you or that you've heard through the grapevine that they've said they regret signing an easement?
3: You no, know, I have not had any uh, constituents in District 8 that have reached out to me uh, that have uh, that have signed the agreement that that have voiced to me that they wish they wouldn't.
2: And Carrie, I'll just okay. say, and I think mean, it's an important thing to note, <laughs> part of the reason that the recurring payment is so important is that uh, to the degree that anybody felt like they were... Um, pressured into signing one of these easements these proposals will provide benefits to easement holders whether they sign a year ago today or a year from now and so um, it's our goal i think through these to you know bring the number of eminent domain lawsuits that we can as small as possible we want people to be running to the register of deeds to sign up easements uh, for these and the way you do that is you make them as fair as you can to landowners. And uh, you know, I don't know that Casey and I still totally agree on the eminent domain issue. So we're focusing on where we can agree, which is here. And I think we both agree. We want that used as little as possible. And with these bills passing, we're gonna make this uh, every incentive for the landowners to sign up for when projects wanna come through. I think, excuse me, I think it makes a much more
3: fairer ground for the landowner to negotiate that out uh, directly uh and with respect uh, back and forth whether it be this project whether it be future projects uh, related to water or you name the next infrastructure project so um there's a uh, opportunity here uh, a lot of the discussion is clearly about uh, a project that here is today but this is also about making sure that we've got a process that works better for the landowner today tomorrow and far into the future
4: okay
1: Safety in your cattle operation is imperative to not only you, but your cattle as well. From front to back, from tube to chute, AeroQuip cattle chutes go through extensive testing to ensure reliability and safety. With an extremely user-friendly design, you're in for a smooth operation every time. AeroQuip cattle chutes are the safe equipment you can trust every step of the way. That's one benefit, but not all. For more information, see Sioux Nation in Fort Pierce, South Dakota.
0: It seems like Depending on what part of South Dakota or which county we're talking about determines how much support or lack of support there seems to be for this, um, the one particular pipeline project. Um, Have you heard from some of your other colleagues in those more hotspot areas as far as what they they think their constituent reaction may be?
3: certainly i mean those discussions uh, happened uh, with our colleagues and those discussions happened with those folks uh, that are in different districts whether they be representatives uh here in Pierre or whether they be landowners in that area uh, or whether they be uh um, part of the value added egg, whether that's ethanol or or something along those lines so we've had lots of discussions on that and uh continue to work to make sure that we've got the the best uh package here that that uh results in good neighbor policies. Yeah, and
2: Jody, there's, I think, a dozen bills out here from different members, and we've got a lot of talent in this building and a lot of different ways of going at uh, some of these issues, uh, and I just, you know, we'll we'll be voting on all of those, so these are not to the exclusion of anyone else's ideas. There's ideas out there that I like and some that I don't, and I suspect the same is true for Senator Crabtree, uh, and so this isn't a um, only this plan, this would be a, every one of our members I think have maybe a little different approach to this issue. Uh, but we thought that where we, we could find common ground that helped out landowners and helped out uh, the certainty for some of these projects that we ought to forward our proposals, even as we know our members are going to be bringing other proposals. And I think it's worth saying that uh, although
3: Will and I may have thousands of hours of, of discussions and work on this uh, with, with many you know, with a wide range of stakeholders, I'd also say that uh, we are, you know, our ears are open to to better ways to do uh, both uh, both of these ideas that we've got. Right, so we've got three bills. Our ears are open to ways to improve them from where we're at today, and so we'll continue to work collaboratively uh, together and with members of both of our caucuses, uh, and certainly the landowners and other stakeholders here to make sure we deliver the best package.
2: You know, the easy thing I think for us to do would have been to kind of climb into our bunkers and keep lobbing at each other, but that's not what people send us here to do. We're here to try to find solutions that bridge the gap and make a South Dakota way of seeing our way forward on linear projects that are fair to landowners. I think that's what Casey and I are committed to continuing to do.
0: Do you think 100% voluntary easement is possible even, you know, if we go the try really hard on the South Dakota way or, or is there is that just human nature? That's kind of an insurmountable goal.
2: Yeah. You know, Representative John Sharda, uh, who's from down in the southeast corner of the state, has got a bill that sets it at a requirement of a certain percentage of voluntary easements before eminent domain kicks in. I think his proposal is going to get um, a good full hearing. And it's an idea that we've heard bounced around really for the last couple of years. And um, again, our goal is to maybe try to get at the eminent domain problem a little different way by making uh, landowners have additional incentive and all the incentive in the world to sign up voluntarily. Um, The eminent domain will be heard in these halls. We're going to still have that, and Casey and I still have our views on that. Um, where we couldn't come to consensus, we, we decided to move on to other areas where we thought we could come to consensus, and so that's what's in our three bills. Now, I would oh, yeah. I would just add to that. I would add to
3: that. I think uh, both Will and I agree wholeheartedly that uh, that we think and we hope and we have pushed um, the project uh, to negotiate these things without using eminent domain. So we certainly hope they get uh, that done with a hundred percent voluntary. Um,
2: That'd be great. It'd be great. I, I can't guarantee you that'll happen, but that is the goal. That should, in sure. every case, I mean, for roads, for water, for any of those that have eminent domain, I think that should, even in those cases, be an, a tool of very last resort. Agreed.
4: Do we have time for? All uh, right, we questions? got time for
2: about one more. Yep, last one.
4: Okay. Um, can you tell me if any cost benefit analysis has been done on the summit pipeline?
3: On the economic impact? To the pipeline? Is that what
2: the question is?
4: Um, yeah, just the ben- the cost versus benefits. I, guess. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's several ways of looking at that, but
2: yeah, I mean, I, I think that the ethanol industry and the corn growers have started to do a lot better job of explaining the economic benefits uh, of, of the uh, carbon pipeline, and it's really about you know getting ready for sustainable aviation fuel, and what they tell us is the next generation of ethanol in this state. I'm a big believer in value-added agriculture um, as a general proposition. The costs, I gotta tell you, Carrie, they're hard to quantify. When I'm talking to clients of mine who, um, you know, are notified that they're along the route, um, I don't think that's a cost I can really put a number on in a lot of cases, right? I mean, uh, the, the land, the tide of the land runs deep and so uh, I think we know the the economic benefits that are going to accrue to our corn farmers in particular and uh, to these ethanol uh, facilities so that they can stay strong and vibrant for decades to come. Um, the cost side, you know, is, is something that it's a little bit harder to put a specific number on, I guess I'd say it that way. Yeah,
3: there's a number of economic impact studies that have been, uh, been done and have been uh, distributed out over the last few months on this. Uh, one thing that I would note is I was at a landowner meeting in Kingsbury County which is where I grew up and in that meeting uh, they were talking about uh, the benefits of carbon sequestration as it ties into uh, a new project there uh, which is called GEVO and in that project uh, they're talking about another $1. eighty per bushel of corn uh, based on uh, based on their numbers and so where I come from, that's, uh, that's real money for our corn growers. And uh, we are hearing loud and clear here from those who grow corn for a living and from those who, uh, who are involved in the ethanol industry that this, is, this has got to be the path forward. So we want to do that in the most respectful and most fair way for those landowners because they are the customer of those exact places. And we want to make sure that we've got certainty for the future of value added agriculture.
2: All right. Well, thank you both. Uh, I'm sure we're just starting to talk about this. We're not done talking about it, so we appreciate both your time.
0: With Agriculture in Depth, brought to you by Kimball Livestock Exchange and by Sioux Nation in Fort Pier, I'm DRG Media Group News and Farm Director Jody Heemstra.